Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find me on most platforms at Total Auto Solutions. If you're on TikTok, find me at Detail Supply App. Best way to get in touch, though, shoot me a text direct, 918-800-1188. Joined today by Nick. Nick can be found on Instagram at HyperCleanNick, or shoot him an email uh, at nick at vegasrides.com. Soon to be, though, Nick, I think you're going to explain some of that. It's soon to be a little bit of rebrand, though, I think, what we're hearing. Yeah, yeah. We are are definitely... uh going through a rebrand the rebrand's done on the back end uh with new logo whatever we've been battling the vegas rides name you know we've shared it on here you know it's just a lot always happens when you're in business just like we've discussed with HyperClean. you do some things at the beginning because you just do them <laughs> and you don't know any better and that kind of thing so one of the things we've had to uh fight is explaining to people all the time, you know, what Vegas rides is, what, what we do, that kind of thing. And, you know, it gets old. What do most people think you are? They don't know. They, they literally like, no, they have, uh, you know, like, uh, exotic car rental, yeah, that kind of what, thing. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, we do something with ride share or something like that. And so we got, you know, we get a lot of things that, um, you know, go against us as a brand. And so for us, you know, we're going to keep the VR part of our, of our business, but it's going to be called VR auto spa. And we're going to offer our same mobile. So nothing really changes from an operational standpoint, but it's just a matter of, as you get further into this, you realize SEO and, and all of this stuff online, and you're cutting yourself out of a lot when you don't have some of these things in line. And, and again, it was just time, you know, it was 10 years in the making. And I called you when I decided it was like, man, I've been fighting and fighting and fighting, trying to get detailing somewhere in this new logo. And I finally just said, you know what, I, I've fought it now for 10 years, and we're just going to go ahead and rebrand. Just cut it, huh? Just cut and go. I didn't know what else to do, man. I mean, it was like we, we, I had so many logos go back and forth and they all looked terrible. Now our logo looks very sleek, very easy, easy to understand, easy to know what we do. And at the end of the day, man, it was just, you would always do things different is always what you say to yourself. And I think part of the growth for me has just been, Hey, if you would have done it different, let's just do it different now and move on. So if, if we're all going to make mistakes, should we, Early on, do you think then as we just keep going as fast as we can, or we got to pause and think more because it, I, I it could wish go, I right? This, this could go back I wish to I what done you different. and I, this is yeah. where you and I are kind of, we go where we think from different mindsets, right? Like I, I, I go, geez, we all are going to fail so much early on. You just go and blow and go. And, and yeah. I, I, I really wonder you'd be from the different mindset, right? You're, you're always more methodical in the way you go about it. Yeah, for me, if I had to do it all over again, once I knew it was a problem, which was probably not for a few years, I would have just done it then. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Once I realized there was an issue and it started to become an issue, and again, it wasn't like we haven't had a problem growing, but you know what I mean. It was just a branding thing, and and uh, you know, at the end of the day, you should always rectify things as fast as you know that they're a problem. And I sort of just kind of let this one linger because it was like a pride thing, right? You know, you just. 
I picked the name. I wanted that to be the name and, and we're, we're paying homage to it. I mean, it's still going to be VR, um, but it is what it is. Like it, it, there's no right and wrong. You know, you just, you just do what you know you can do and don't think too much about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, 10 years later, you're doing a rebrand. <laughs> so some people think names are the most important. Some people think, oh, names don't really matter. Yeah. Where do you fall in line? It's in the middle of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's in the middle. But, you know, people should know what you do by your name. You know what I mean? Like, I think those are the ones that work the best and uh, long term. And, and at the end of the day, it was just time for a refresh. You know, it was just time. We're going to go through a, recite, uh, a rebuild on our website. We're going to invest more online. We're doing some things that aren't just about Vegas. It's about becoming an overall leader in, in different parts of this industry and HyperClean's a part of that. Everything's a part of it. You know, as a company, we're vastly different than we were 10 years ago. All right. So I am not drinking a cold beer this morning. I am drinking a Alani energy drink. I don't know. Oh, uh, there you go. Was going through Target this weekend. Interesting how I know you're probably still, if, if I understand correctly, still doing all just the automated, you still don't go to stores you get it all off of online or on your phone and you have it either, you know, ready to pick up or delivered straight to your house. Right. Yeah. 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 So I still go in here and there, I'd say probably more than I used to. Right. I, I was that way for most of 2020 as 2021's progressed. I just find myself going into stores. I don't know why I get there Sorry. and I go, this is stupid, but <laughs> I'm in there. We're walking around. Cause I'm trying, we're, we're trying to find stuff because, uh, Last week, right? If you remember, I was like, God damn, my tooth. So I've got an appointment on Thursday. I've got to have another root canal. That fractured of this tooth is now causing problems. So I'm, we're in there getting soup and trying to get stuff that I can eat. And I run across this and I'm a sucker for a nice, you know, anything watermelon, I'm a sucker. And then just the labels, right? They had all these yeah. cans in there. Like it just naturally drew us over. And I'm just, we're like, oh, let's grab this one. I want to try this one. So like, you know what, this morning, since it's a little early for a cold beer, uh, I'm, I'm going to try. Uh, and it's pretty good. I like it. I'll see how the uh, energy side is, but uh, it's clean <laughs> going down. So that's the good part. Yeah. Um, another fun thing from this weekend was for many people, if it wasn't last weekend, it was this weekend was opening night for a lot of high school football teams. Yeah. Um, for us here in Tulsa, it was a big event with our two main, you know, 6A schools went head to head. And my girlfriend's kids were at the other school, and now they're at our school at Jinx. And so we went out to the the biggest game, the high school game. They'd never been to a high school football game. You know, it was it was really really interesting. But we got to see, which was cool. Um, we got to see two phenomenons: teenagers in the raw form, right, at a high school game. Do you remember like teenagers, and then even like junior high, right, like? I remember always going to high school games as a junior high kid and like always like, this is the most amazing thing. Like, but as a 43 year old person trying to go get concession <laughs> stand, like I, I'm like, okay, I, I don't know if I can do this high school football thing anymore between all the, the moms with all their like big head things that they're waving around and all this chaoticness of kids ever going crazy. It was, it was interesting, but we did get to see, which was cool. Two trick plays that sealed the deal for jinx uh the holder had buffed uh um buffed his snap and, and didn't get it set down so as he's running and getting chased by this guy right and he goes to throw it and it's that traditional where it flies up 
and but it's not a it's not a pass. So he just fumbles it and he's able to pick it up and he's got all those guys running around him and he lobs it and throws it. And there's this guy in the end zone that just catches it. Right. Like <laughs> one of those amazing. You're like, how the hell did that happen? Uh, but the play that cleared it all for him was uh, they'd been, you know, running back, running back, running back, just pounding the ball. Right. Throw it off to the side. Everybody goes and chases it. The safety and the the the, the D back all chase and run up. And there's a wide receiver sitting there, and he just pauses and tosses it over. Game-winning play. I mean, it, though, it, there is something about high school sports that is just it, – it just puts those shock moments back into your yeah. system. You get those little hairs it's that pure. rise up. It's yeah. still pure. Yeah. Pure. Like, what did you play? What was your high school experience like playing? Um, I played everything. You know, it was like – it was a more of a, a time, you know, for us where um, – you know, to be honest with you, like you look back and it, it becomes really hard to remember, you know, because it was like people <laughs> yeah. don't. I, and actually, I think that's the most shocking thing for me is like I just forget. Like I forget a lot of stuff uh, from back then, but it's just the joy, right? Like that's like the last time for a lot of us that you have that like these are your people you grew up with. These are the people that you've known your whole life. You know, at that point, it's 15, 16, 17 years of your life. You know, a lot of people, you know, similar to where you grew up, you know, ours was, uh, you know, I lived next door to these people like my whole life. You know, we didn't move a whole bunch or anything like that. So I, I think for me, it, it, when I look back, it's just the amount of fun, you know, and that's probably what you experienced is that those kids were having. You know, and it goes by too fast. That's what you want to tell everybody now that you're of this age. You're like, dude, it's like that four years, you really have to enjoy it. And none of us do, right? It's always hindsight. It's, you know, you're always looking for the next thing or going to college or whatever. And it's just one of those things. Like, that's what I think would be great about going to high school games is, again, it's just unadulterated fun. Like, they're just they're just out there. And you see so many like gaffes, but then it turns into something or you see somebody have a career play. And I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that was pretty cool about it. Well, I tell you, I, I don't think they made them back in the nineties, the, the way they're making them now. Like, I, I mean, I didn't go up against guys this big. I mean, they were yeah, kid, kids I are mean, huge. Yeah. Kids are huge. huge. Yeah. Huge. They're huge, man. Like it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. I mean, you know, it's nothing to see a kid weigh 300 pounds now. I mean, that's the craziest part about it. I mean, they're freshmen in college and they're already 325. You know, it's just, it's crazy. Like, I don't know, man. It's, it is different and uh, it's great. I'm glad you got to do that. That's a fun, that's always a fun time. It probably took you back a little bit and, you know, got you away from thinking about business for a few minutes. And that's always a good thing. There's no doubt that some of the best times in football were just that opening song just the running out from, you know, and you break through the, I mean, that's that just, the best, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Cause I never really got to celebrate after that. I, I didn't score the <laughs> touchdowns. I didn't, you know, so that was my time. Of celebrating. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, funny. that's really All right, funny. So we are celebrating something else though, that uh, you've launched, which is exciting to uh, multiple people have begun reaching out. Um, it, it is cool that uh, you've taken a step forward in your business um, and how we're intermingling things into what you're doing. 
Last year, as we began to talk heavily about models and what approaches and different concepts, and, and here's what I want to try and tie into some people's thought process is many times when we talk through detailing, it's a lot about chest, right? It's a lot about philosophies of moves and different ways that you can do things. We've said over and over, there's no one way, right? There's no fucking guidebook. If you're going to go get training and somebody says, here's your book and here's how you're going to do it bullshit right Run the other so, way. yeah <laughs> there's so many different avenues there's so many different ways and there's so many things that can happen that would cause you to move and change in a different direction yeah. because now you're seeing new opportunities so when we've talked about models and theories in the past nick um we've talked about the theory of staying mobile of having a shop only or of being a hybrid and offering yeah. more than one selection more than one avenue more than one uh way for people to interact with your business so walk us through what you're doing now with as you're doing the rebrand of of vegas rides into vr auto spa well yeah. what's the next step that you've been putting together so you know we were you know obviously we had a, a daughter last year and she's getting to the age now where like working from home is is a you know it's tough you know, it's not fair for her. She's got to be quiet. You know, she doesn't get as much run around room like that. That stuff just because you can talk to her and tell her be quiet. She <laughs> yeah, does. It's She's like, not, it's not not, yeah, it's just not. It's just not. Yeah, yeah. It's just not. You know, it's not something I want to do. So anyway, I started looking <laughs> for office space because I wasn't even thinking about a shop. You know what I'm saying? I was like, well, I'll just go get some office space and I'll work there during the day and do paperwork and all that kind of stuff in it, and just allow her to have the house right. And went and looked at office space and it was expensive. I mean, it was really expensive. And, you know, even for just a little tiny office, they were wanting, you know, six, eight thousand bucks. Like, all right. So let me pause for one second. So, over the past 10 years, you've been running mobile and then running your office, quote unquote, your back end, what you yeah. do for the, the, the paperwork, anything outside of the, the actual, you know, the typical clean Actual-work. side of the business. Yeah. Um, all the office stuff is done out of your house. Yep. Yeah. So I never had like a location to go to. It's just not necessary. You know, we were running so efficient and, and, and all that stuff. So and part of the way you're able to do it. And there's a reason there's reasons why I'm digging at this is so it gives some people some content and some ideas. Right. Because um, some mobile detailers will struggle with that of having their vehicles come back to their house. So guys can you know load up and, and take care of products and do different stuff. How did you handle or solve that problem for yourself? I just uh, let them have the car. My guys take their truck home. Like yeah. I never, this whole control thing that people have, I don't have it. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about the small amount of control of the stuff comes back to me and look, man, what do you think is going to happen? They steal it. They're going to go to jail. You know where they live. I mean, it, that's not what's going to happen. So people to me get too dramatic about that. They don't, they don't talk to their insurance company and figure all that stuff out. They literally just foist a big problem onto their business. The other thing is it gives freedom. There's times that you can call your people and say, Hey, you know, had this job come up. Do you want to take it? Well, if the, if the truck was already returned to your shop, what would happen? They'll be like, Oh, well I got to drive here. And now you're talking about all these different costs to get them to the job. So I solved that pretty quickly. They just take it home. Um, you know, that that's, I didn't think it was a big deal, you know, to be honest with you, I never thought anything of it. 
And I still don't think anything of it. I've had the trucks end up in California on a road trip and, you know, weird shit's happened. But I just don't get worked up about that stuff because the ultimate goal is, is that truck making me money? If the answer is yes, the ancillary shit's irrelevant. And I think that's that's something I do pretty well. I, I don't really think too far, much farther than is everything running smoothly enough? Not perfect. Notice I didn't say that. Uh, but is everything running well enough that I, I'm okay with what's going on with this truck? And if the answer is yes, then I leave it at that. And that does sometimes put you on the highway with a uh, a belt out, but you yeah, know, that's I just mean, like the... last like last week. I mean, <laughs> my guy calls me, hey, threw a belt. Um, the crazy part is we just had that truck in the shop, so somebody should have seen a frayed belt. So that mechanic got an earful because we use them on all of our trucks, and he's a friend of mine, and he's getting pretty fucking lax, if you ask me, not checking over my stuff. And so, what do my guys say? Hey, I'm stuck. Well, I go and drop off my truck, which has all of our equipment in the back. So I have an extra truck at my in my business because of these types of things happening. So I've had to take I took a hit on the front end buying a truck and all the equipment. But if something breaks down, I go take them a truck, they can work. And we handle the truck, you know, that's broken down. And that's what we did last week. Last Thursday, we had a belt thrown. And within three hours, we had the belt fixed because the relationship we have with the mechanic uh, after he got an earful, which is about 10 minutes of the three hours. Uh, but I sat on the side of the road and you know, it's handled. It is what it is. Yeah. So it, it, it's just a little bit different of operating than what I think most people typically hear when it's shop and mobile shop and mobile or mobile altogether. It's bring back to the house, come, you know, be around. Like it's just probably the most practical way, but it's not something that many people ever talk about or a different style most would be scared to give a truck to somebody else and let them go home, whether it's just the equipment or, you know, the sure. chemicals. Oh, he could be doing side work. Oh, he could be doing that. Like there's so many different fears that go along with giving somebody a vehicle. And thanks for sharing, you know, openly about that's the way you've, you've been running for 10 years. So you've made a point though, to go, all right, I'm looking for an office. It's no longer practical to be here in the house. And yeah. you can't find anything of relative cost. No, it just didn't make sense. And so at this point, I'm like, I mean, hell, for another X number of dollars, I can just have a small little shop. And again, we're not going big shop. Uh, that wasn't the plan. I, I certainly looked at big shops. I started to think through them. Uh, but it wasn't, it's not right for me. You know, I, I don't see that as the, as the model I want to chase. Now, that can all change if we gain X number of momentum and as a shop, right? But it's not what we're chasing out of the gate. And so I basically go on the hunt. And, you know, for anybody that, that lives in these cities where so many people moved to during the pandemic, Vegas is one of those. A lot of warm cities got a lot of influx. You know, Tulsa saw an influx as well. Everybody, all these places that are a little bit more business friendly, a little bit more, you know, let's call it conservative, um, in some sense of the word, um, got a big influx during the pandemic and Vegas is no different. So we went on the hunt, looked at a bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, this, I was looking day after day, after day, after day, and lucky I had a good real estate agent and found a shop and said, Hey, I, I want this shop. Let's go. Uh, but this shop is, is a different model than what most people think when they open a shop or is going to be a different model than what most people that think they know what I believe in these instances is going to be. 
You know, we talk a lot about guys getting into entry level work. I think it's very important for your business to offer that. But remember, I have mobile units. I have all these mobile units that can that can do nine out of 10 things that you need to do to detail a car. So what does that leave for my shop? It leaves that one out of 10, which is what? Big PPF installations, massive paint correction, you know, which we can do mobile for certain customers. But, you know, in your shop, it's just easier. Uh, you know, it makes the customer feel more comfortable that the, the car is being worked on away from their home. Uh, some of our customers have such big garages. It's not, that's not a discussion, but you see what I mean? Sometimes people feel a little bit uncomfortable that you're going to be working for seven hours in their garage or whatever. Um, so this shop is going to be what you would call services we can't perform on a mobile level. So we are going to be doing a lot of paint protection film. We're going to be doing a lot of windshield protection film, which we already do a fair amount. We're going to do, uh, elite paint correction and coating installation, which we do mobily, but you know, paint correction and, and all that stuff goes along with coating and PPF. And, and so this is going to be one to two cars are going to be in the shop at a time. This is going to be priced in a way that that makes sense. Because remember the only goal for me really was to have office space. So anything that happens in this shop is sort of viewed as a bonus to my business not a necessity. And that's an important thing for people to hear from me is the shop, no doubt, we want to make a lot of money out of there. But if we made $0, it wouldn't really negatively impact. I needed an office anyway, right? So we could store chemicals. I can free up space in my garage at my home. I could use the shop and never have a car in there. Now, that's never going to be how I do it. But it's a real freeing feeling to say, these are our prices. These are the services, services we do here, and we're not doing anything else. Sorry, we don't, we'll provide that on a mobile scale. We'll be glad to come to your house. And there's going to be a real dividing line of the people that can get their car into the shop. Now, here's the irony of all this. I kind of was like wishy-washy. I was like, man, I wonder if people will really pay what I want them to pay to be in the shop. Yeah, we're booked out two months. I mean... I already got two months worth of work. I, I, <laughs> How I many times knew. have we said <laughs> I already knew. I was letting you roll and then you go, we're booked out two months. I go, you didn't really just say that, did you? I like, know. How many I, times I, have we I said? Know. <laughs> I know. I, I was just like, I, I was just like, I, but here's the thing. Like it happened by accident. Like I literally started telling customers like one by one, but slowly. And it was like, want this done want that done, want this done. And I'm like, oh my God. And then we got backed up in the shop because the electrician couldn't get out. You know, the staffing issues everybody has, you know, we're going to have to make a decision on the flooring because the flooring that we want is actually a, a modular system and it's on back order. So we're going to have to put the lift in without the flooring being in there. So the flooring is going to look kind of janky for a while, maybe months on end, who knows? Like, it's not going to be perfect. Like, we're just going to have to go because everything's like backing up on top of me. And for the, for most of this work coming out of the gate, it's stuff that I'm going to be doing. You know, we want to do videos on it. We, there's a lot of reasons that this shop is kind of going to be on my back here for a little while because my other guys are so busy 
this wasn't like I can bring all this staffing into the shop. They, this isn't, <laughs> this is the true model of doing both. Like we're going to have a business booming on the mobile side. And then this shop is almost going to be treated separately. It's not, but you see what I'm saying is that I can't pull from my mobile to give to this shop. It doesn't economically make any sense to do that. I already pull have labor. this business. Pull, yeah, labor, pull labor, labor from mobile because you're pulling yeah. customers from the mobile. Yeah. Yeah. But pull labor away from the work that we have right now. I can't do that. Like it, it, it there's no, there's no logic in it. So it's like, dude, I, and I actually said out loud, I was like, man, I should have never told anybody what I should have done is got the shop done, then started to tell select people that I know would want some work done. But this also was born out of necessity. Like I'll, I'll tell guys openly, uh, the PPF stuff I was seeing here locally was very disheartening, like stuff right out of the dealership. You know what I'm talking about where it's, you know, customers, PPF failing in, a minute and a half after buying the car and, 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 you know, we didn't really have an answer for them. And that kind of started to bother me too, was we can do that work, but doing it mobily is not really the quality that I want, but I really wanted to be able to tell my customers like, dudes, just bring that in. We're going to rip it off and we're going to apply what you want or don't get it or don't, you know, don't let them get, you know, but sometimes this stuff's already on the car. You know how that is, but it's just like, you know, there was other parts of it where, you know, body shop stuff here is, is, and I'm sure it's the same in Tulsa. It's the same everywhere. It's so bad now. You know, body shops are just getting worse somewhere. They're getting pinched. I don't want to blame the body shop. They're getting pinched on both ends from, from insurance companies, whatever. But I had like three body shop incident, incidents right in a row where now we're going to implement when a customer's car goes to a body shop, it immediately stops at my shop after. We inspect it, we fix it, they they then take it back home. Like we're implementing that with several of my big customers now. Like we're going to be the last stop before the car ever goes back to the owner. Okay, cool. So you mentioned this is a this will be interesting little segue because I I like the story that you and I have talked about, and we'll just we'll we'll leave some of the names and some of the people out of it, but the idea is pretty cool, right? Because you mentioned that you had uh, uh, an, an insurance agent, right? You've got a couple, not insurance, apologies, uh, realtors, different people yeah. that you've worked with and you've you've talked to so-and-so and you've talked to so-and-so well. Then you get somebody that starts to really interact with you. Comes to find out he has a relative that is in our industry and starts to go, hey, man, did you this? Did you know this? Did you know? Like, and you, hey, man. I've been doing this how many years now? 20 plus years. Of course I fucking know all that shit, right? Yeah. And then you've had some people that have asked you that are customers, especially when it's around the shop or just general ideas of questioning what you do, right? There's this growing, as the industry continues to blossom, there's also this growing bubble that people don't know what detailing is. Yep. And, and what goes on inside of a quote unquote detail. Now, over last year and into this year, but mainly majority of 2020, we started seeing it in the industry overall, right? And inside of community, people not really understanding what is detailing. And I posed the question multiple times to people that came on the episodes. Hey, what is detailing? Hey, explain detailing in your views. Explain what detailing is. And the amount of diversity, right? Oh, the amount of never, diversity. You never got the same answer twice. Never, ever. 
And it was even if you've been detailing for 15 years or you started last month or if you've been a manufacturer or if you've been a pro like whatever, whoever came on, they all gave different. And some of them were very, very confusing answers. So very. no wonder you get people that start, you know, they know some people in the industry and they, hey, man, did you know this? Did you can you believe that you can do? Well, yeah. Right. And then there's always these people too that look at it and go, wow, I, I have no clue, no idea that that's what detailing is. So, yeah, I think, I think this is the thing. So what spur, what really made us have this conversation is, is I talked to a very educated guy, you know, a great potential customer. And he literally just said, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what what you do as a detailer. I mean, he was asking if we paint cars. He was asking, uh, you know, so what do you do after somebody paints it, you work on it? I mean, he went to like 52 different levels and none of them were detailing. And this is when I, you and I had this conversation, right? And we started talking about the other stuff and whatnot. But this is kind of a little bit of my frustration in organizations telling me that what we should be chasing is certification. If the customer doesn't know what we do, what does certification matter? That's been my argument. If the customer doesn't understand what detailers do, you having a certification in detailing doesn't mean anything because you're certified in something that nobody understands. Nobody is it knows how to purchase it. Nobody, and that that's shown through the numbers, right? Like if you look at a car wash, people know what a car wash does, so they go to the car wash. And they go, you know, 60, 70, 80% of cars will enter a car wash this year. Less than 10% of cars in your area will ever visit a detailer on a yearly basis. What's the issue? The issue is car wash is very simple to understand. Detailing has never told the customer what we do as a whole. So my idea has always been, and I've shared this with some people and some, and some places that, you know, can get things done. Instead of chasing certification, why don't we just every year spend X number of millions of dollars, you know, that come into associations or, or groups and just educate the public on what detailers do. It seems like it would be a lot more positive for the industry than chasing a rabbit down a hole that really doesn't change anything. And I think this is what guys and gals at detail have to understand. And it, it, it comes, it becomes more apparent every day. The average car owner, has no idea what you do. None. And so when you pick up the phone, before you get frustrated, maybe the way we should think about it is, this person on the other end of the phone has no idea what I do. So I have to start on ground zero and explain exactly what we do as a detailer. And I think we can all understand that from this moment when we get that phone call and they go, yeah, I'd like to get a detail. Okay. Well, and then a lot of times detailers will just go into, okay, full detail is this, and it's going to come with this, this, and this. And they go straight into what their packages are. But what we're learning in marketing and sales and all that, as each of us are growing our business, we're realizing that we need to start asking more questions of the customers so that we can get their needs. Once we get their needs out and understand really what they're wanting and needing, then I can offer the best solution for them. And that is much better to grow a business 
than to just throw out stuff that they you think that they might want. And then they get down to, oh, well, what do I get for 50 bucks? And then we're pissed off because we're just, we went through all this and I yeah. just want a $50 deal. Well, they might not have ever understood, quote unquote, what a detail is. And they just have a theory in their mind. Yeah. And so you're right. Many times we get pissed off because this customer calls them. We call them, you know, that oh, they were just kicking tires. Oh, they just want to use that guy. Oh, they just want to. Well, it's because they didn't really know what you did. And you yeah. just assumed that both of you had the same idea of what a full detail is. I mean, it forever before we had websites and before we had the technology to be able to tell people things without actually having to tell them over the phone, right? We used to spend a lot of time when somebody would call and go, hey, I want a detail. We will have to explain to them, okay, here's what it's going to come with. Here's all the intricacies of the work that is coming. Yeah. And that's that's really just not practical in today's world for running and operating, but it's also probably not the best thing for the customer because okay. the overall people that come into our industry that come into our customer base as they're looking to get detail services, they're just really wanting their car cleaned. And you mentioned car wash earlier. So have the car washers of the industry and let's just call it the car care industry, because anybody that's going to clean, maintain properly, you know, take care of a vehicle is, is into one whole industry I believe, and then it's segmented in different styles. We're simply the style that wants to be the elite and above those that just simply wash cars. Yeah, it, it's, it was a weird time, Mike, when, 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 when you and I started having this conversation, and I know we've had it on and off for the last two years privately, and that's, that's what spurned the what is detailing question that, that you did there for, for quite a few months, right? Like almost six months straight asking people what is detailing and you got 50 different answers every time. And some of it was incoherent and some of it was great. Um, but that's sort of the problem is, is that the customer can't latch on to this definition. They know what a car wash does. They're going to wash and vacuum my car. They can latch on to the definition, right? What do they latch on in our industry? And this is where it all starts. You want to talk about why there's not the traction that should be in detailing. And everybody always says, why don't people have us detail your cars and to go to a car wash is silly. And all. Hey man, I'm on your side. They don't know though. That's where we have to start. Anybody starting after that point to me at this stage of my career, I can tell you, they don't get it. This is what makes certification should not be the basis of, of what we're trying to get to. It should be a part of it. Not, I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but if you're not starting at how do we get more customers to understand what we do, I, I think you're so far off the deep end that it, it doesn't matter anymore. Like well, you, you can't, you can't get to the next step. And I will let's let's just go ahead and say a little defense on detailers that many times they don't know how to say that because we don't understand it, right? Sure. Because because the overall industry has a massive confusion around what we do. Let's case in point, let's talk about ceramic coatings, right? There's so much confusion around what is a ceramic coating? Should it be a five-year, seven-year, nine-year lifetime, quote-unquote, protectant that you put on the car? 
and the customer goes off into this glorious picture and the sun's setting and everybody's happy, but that's not really what happens. And it's this massive confusion trying to walk through customers of, well, if you want this and you're going to have to do this, this, and this, or else it's not protected. Oh, by the way, I'm a, you can't do this. And oh, I have to be able to do this as a, well, no, I don't have to do it. And there can be so many, and I'm very, very vague, right? There's a lot of things to fill in the blank there, right? There's many things that will tell a customer, or there's many things that the industry is telling detailers that creates this confusion, yeah. right? Can you get the car wet within 24 hours? It's forever a no until the company comes out with a water-based protectant and they tell you to use it as a topper. Well, that's massive confusion. Well, you, you got to let the car cure for 24 hours before it gets wet. Well, that's unless you use a lamp. And, you know, typically if you set it outside, you know, well, do you cure a coating this way or how long does a coating cure? What does it, what is curing? I, I mean, uh, explain that well, to us, Nick. What, what does curing a coating even mean? So, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be, be kind of tough to to dodge the elephant in the room, but let's talk about the IR lamp, okay? What is an IR lamp, and how does a coating cure because of an IR lamp? Does it cure from the inside out, and it's, you know, now the coating is so much better because I use an IR lamp? The answer is Well, no. there is a lot of people, like, let's defend, though, right? Because people that use IR lamps in a shop, they swear, and I've never used one. I think you have. They yeah. swear that you can, right? Cure the coating faster so we can get right back to the customer. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there is a defense of heat lamps as a whole, IR, whatever, is that if you're in a massively busy shop. Now, Marty, we hear about all these people doing all these coatings. There's very few that fit this bill, but let's talk about them. Let's say they're doing five coatings a day, 10 wow. coatings a day. Okay. There's shops doing that. What they can't do at this point in time is have a conversation with every single customer and say, don't get the car wet, don't do this, don't do that, because the coating's not cured. At that point, they're taking on all this risk, right? By giving cars back that aren't fully cured, they're taking a huge risk at that number. It's not a huge risk when it's one person a day or a couple people a week. It's not that big of a risk. But if you get to five or 10 people a day, it starts to become a massive risk to give uncured cars back to a customer so you can speed up the curing process by using heat ir lamp or just a regular heat lamp it's going to cure quicker because heat makes the substrate hot you know by using a lamp you make the substrate hot it starts to cure the coating a little bit quicker and have it release its solvents it gets it to bond you know that's what really creates the bond when all of the solvent is released and the coating is now purely just bonding with the clear coat, that's when the curing process really kind of speeds up. But you're trying to get all these little carriers out of the coating that allow the bond to cure and happen, right? That's on a simplistic level, that's what you're doing. Heat always speeds that up. But if you're in Vegas or you're in Phoenix or you're in Palm Springs or Florida or Tulsa in the summer, if I pull it out of my shop and it's not going to rain, and I just let it sit in the sun, it's going to bake as well. It's going to cure quicker as well. This idea that an IR lamp somehow makes the coating more durable, somehow makes the coating stronger, somehow means you're curing it differently. No, you're curing it quicker, but you're not 
quote unquote, curing it from the inside out, you know, which is the big narrative around those lamps. You're just curing it quicker. That's all you're doing. In your theory or not theory, in your opinion, uh, when you think of I apply a coating, right? I mean, we both applied multiple coatings, right? At least yeah. more than one a year, right? <laughs> At least yeah. more than the past couple of years, right? We, we've applied plenty of coatings, right? When, when you go to wipe on that coating, and specifically let's talk about with, with the coatings that I've used, I look for that release, right? At, at that point in time, I think of the coating is starting to release itself and as you call a bond, or I say infuse into the clear coat, which then as it releases, then the, 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 the dioxide is going to have to harden, right? And that's yep. what creates what we love about coatings is that hardener aspect. Yep. Now, does that, and this is just splitting hairs, but uh, I, I split some hairs this past weekend when we were talking through on some of the Facebook groups, talking through some detailers about, you know, do you need to do correction before protection, right? And at yeah. what level do you need to do it? And at what, you know, and what's yeah. happening with the polish, right? Some of that got to splitting hairs, but there's moments where I just enjoy splitting hairs to prove sure. a point. Because sure. to me, once you get down to the core of things, then you can build out the correct way. Now, yeah. we'll split hairs on what is happening at that moment. Is it curing from the outside or is it curing from the inside? And the reason we want to split that hair and we want to understand it then is so that we'll know, okay, is a heat lamp viable for me in my business? Because it seems like there's plenty of detailers that think, right, there's this next level you've achieved a new status you got this yeah. little notch on your belt you can you can put in your you know your side that you, you've done something more than somebody else if sure. you have a lamp right yeah, and if you want but if you, you want to have one there's no argument against it but you're saying no, the lamp yeah. really just speed things up yeah it's all but if we're a boutique shop that's not really trying to do volume then is lamps is that very viable so is his heat lamps and and speeding up the curing is that more viable? Is it better for people? I, I would say yes, but you. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, like I said, it, it it's up to you. What is you, what are what kind of risk are you taking as a business when you're doing a ton of coatings a day? You don't have a choice but to cure them and crank them out. Okay, that's your business model. You can't take the risk of sending uncured coatings out because the amount of headache that could come back. Let's just say you did 10 coatings today and all 10 of those people drove home and it started to rain and, an and your coatings weren't cured. It's a little different than one person taking off from your shop. See what I'm saying? See the level of problem you can have as a business when it's 10 or 15 people taking off or it's one person taking off. Okay. And again, there's no argument saying don't do it. You don't have to do it. You know, any, you don't have to have an IR lamp. We've all proven that. Most people don't cure coatings with IR lamps, and magically, coatings work really, really well. How's that possible if you have to cure with an IR lamp? Well, just remember, a coating cures from the substrate out. It's always going to cure from the hottest point, and the hottest point on a metal car is the metal. And so it's going to cure from the base layer out. 
Because if it cured the other way, you would get things trapped in the coating if you just think about it. If, if the top cured before the bottom, you'd have that solvent pop look that you get from a bad paint job. Okay? So when you say, I'm curing from the inside out because I use an IR lamp, look, dude, every coating's curing from the bottom to the top. That doesn't change with using an IR lamp. You have to be able to kind of read between the lines and find out sometimes. Well, I know we have a lot of young detailers listen to this. There's going to be a lot of companies and a lot of people that try to tell you stuff because it, it gives them an appearance that they're on a different level than everyone else. But when the people that are really in the know laugh at those people, that's the part you want to get to in your career. The people that appear like they know a lot or the people that actually know a lot and just have a little laugh through text message at the people writing really ridiculous things on their Instagram because you've been doing it so long. And it's not like you're having fun at their expense only. It's just things you go through in your career, right? Like that's all that happens. And what people have to realize about ceramic coating is it's singularly the most overthought and underthought thing in my career. It's just what it is. Like people make it way too difficult and people make it sound way too easy. The middle is where we reside and where people with real experience reside. People that are really elite don't reside on the crazy end of the ceramic coating. And they don't reside on the ceramic as just something to throw away and not think too hard about. They reside in the middle. Every single reputable shop resides in the middle. And even companies I know that used to use IR lamps that do a ton of work, they hated them. And they said, you know what? This doesn't make any sense. We've tried it. We used it for a year. It slowed everything down and they just punted them in the trash. And I know a guy that bought like 15 of them and punted them all in the trash. And now where does he reside? Right in the middle. The coding debate is in the middle for those of us that have actually done a lot of work. If you're on the extreme end and act like you have to do all this crazy stuff for a coating to be applied and, and, and cure correctly, you're in, to me, you're, you're the same person as uh, a Teflon DuPont product is, is a sealant is a coating. Those are the, those people are the same people to me. It's like the extreme left and the extreme right in politics. They're so close, they can't see each, they, they can't understand how close they are. But those of us in the middle are like, these nut jobs are nut jobs, both sides, right? Pretty fair. It's the same with ceramic coating. Those that are trying to call everything a coating and those that are acting insane, like there's only, you got to do 58 different things for a coating to, to be applied and cure properly. They're the same person. The, the, the coating curing and the coating being applied properly is right in the middle. There's a lot of real common sense to applying a coating. And if you can apply a paint sealant, you can apply coating, right? That's the middle ground. And so those of you watching somebody with an IR lamp and they've got all these, oh, I'm curing it from the inside out. You got to run the other way. Like you have to be smart enough to realize when something just doesn't add up. And that's going to be on you and your career right? Like we've all been suckered into stuff. Every single human that, that's been in detailing has been suckered into something. You were sucker, suckered into a coding situation. I've been suckered into coding situation. Like, it happens to everybody. But guys, you got to read between the lines and say, you know where it often is? It's the middle of the road. The people that are in the middle of the road are the ones making all the money, the ones that are doing everything really well, and the ones that are really looking after their customer. 
those people on the opposite ends, those aren't the people really looking out for everybody. And so let's just, let's, let's you recircle those wagons for a second under the concept of if I'm mobile, right? Or if I'm at a shop, right? And I'm not producing 10 plus coatings a day, right? So let's say I'm a shop. I might have 10 plus people coming in my shop a day, right? Cool. Yeah. It's a good productive shop, but I'm just not doing that volume in coding five year, seven year, nine yeah. year lifetime, you know, all the big stuff that was pushed so heavy over the past years, right? Have to do this, have to do that, right? Not practical. So I'm a guy, gal, just run a mobile or shop, and I'm doing one, let's say two coatings a day. Yeah. Do I think that I should get a light or do I pass on the light? Yeah, I, I mean, my shop's not going to have one. I mean, I'll just tell people, like, we don't have one in my mobile business. When when we were really pushing coding really, really heavily, I've never had a light. Used lights. I partnered with shops that had lights and, you know, watched the process and saw it many, many, many times. Lamps are great, man. If you need to cure coatings quickly. Because any type of heat on the surface is going to help cure the coating quicker. Mm -hmm. So how but soon, could, let me ask, because we get this question, right? Yeah. How soon do I release the car bag, right? We've had uh, multiple people come on the community pub. It's every Wednesday, 730. Anybody listen to this, please hop on at Zoom ID 918-800-1188. Multiple people that come on the community pub have stated that from brand reps, coding reps were told, right? You, you got to keep this car here for days. You got to, no. you got to wait to do these layers. And it's, it, it creates this big backlog in their business because they can't be productive. So, and now they got to charge started, an exorbitant amount of money because they're holding onto the car so much. Agreed. And as they've started to wake up in a sense, they've started to hear what we're saying. Um, they began to ask questions like, well, how soon do I release the car back to the customer? Then I'm used to keeping it for a day or two. Or yeah. some four days, right? But let's say they're used to keeping it four day. Uh, the cars that came in last week, the cars that came in weeks ago, that, anybody that comes into my shop, so I'll just speak for me, right? Yeah. And my shop is a wash bay, right? So let's, let's be yeah. clear. I'm not running a quote unquote, you know, shop. But over the years, as I've been doing coatings, whether that's mobile or coming in, I'll release the car back to them the same day if they want it. If they want to store it overnight because it's not practical yeah. for them to pick up. Hey, I'll let them keep it. At, I'll lock it up, make sure we're protected. They can pick it up the next day. But if I apply a coating and I've put it down, then I'll release the car back to them the same day under the guidelines, sir, ma'am, don't get this car wet. If we've got, yeah. if we've got water coming in the forecast, AKA rain or snow, right? Then here's a towel. Make sure that it gets wiped off. This isn't rocket science here. It's not like the coating is washed away from the paint, right? We yeah. just got to get the water back off and yeah. I'll release it same day. What about you? When yeah, I mean, mobile, yeah, mobile, back? yeah, mobile is, it's, you're there. So they get their co car right then and there. Yeah, we have a caveat. You know, I, I, anybody, anybody that we do a coating for that can afford it, I say, just keep this in the garage for 48 hours. Like, I don't care about the rain and the forecast. Like, 
best case for you is to leave this car sitting where we left it in your garage for 48 hours. It's your best case scenario. If it's not possible, it's not possible. Right? Like, I'm not going to be scared. They're going to, let's say I apply it at 9 a.m. They're not going to drive it that day. So I'm already going to get to the next nine o'clock in the morning, more than likely. Okay. Because they've already given you the car for the day. Just think about it that way. There's not too much that's going to go on with that car in a 24-hour period once they've booked your service, whether it's mobile or otherwise. So just figure, most people aren't going to just hop in that car right after you put coating on, peel off, and that's just not what happens. Like, I know people think it does. It just doesn't. Not not my, not what we've seen. I don't think that's what you've seen either. Most well, people, no. I, was just, I mean, I have plenty of people that will pick it up, I mean, within a couple hours. But yeah. under the guidelines of – you're going home and you're exactly. putting it in your garage. That's what I mean. What I mean is they're not peeling off and like going to the bar and they're not peeling off and going to work. And they're not, they've already given up that day of their car. When they book a service with you in their brain, they've, they're always like, you know, Hey man, it's uh, you know, what we're doing is, is we're giving up this car for service. Just like when you go to the mechanic, you don't think you're just going to the mechanic for an hour. You drop your car off. You're like, Hey, I'm going to be without my car for the day. It's the same when they book a detail. So I don't think it, ha again, this goes back to both sides. It doesn't have to be underthought and it doesn't have to be overthought. Look the person in the eye and say, put this undercover for the next 24 hours minimum. If you can do it for 48, that would really be great. But once I get above that 24 hour period, I don't have much concern. Not of good quality coding. Now, if I was using an un unknown brand, or I may worry because curing can get kind of funky if the so if if their formula is not right. But the odds that dioxide's not hardening inside that twenty four hours is pretty rare, in my opinion. I mean, I I've only had a couple instances where I could like kind of see, and I'm like, uh, this doesn't seem right, right? And it was kind of early in coatings. Now, coating is sort of like paint. You remember we used to have to let paint gas off for 60 days? Well, hell, now, now somebody can paint a car, and within you know hours, you can be sanding and, and the, the paint's cured. I think coating has kind of gone through the same thing. And I think the next iteration of coating, it'll be cured in 12 hours. Then you'll, we'll, we'll advance coating more, and it'll be cured within a couple hours. Like, that's just how technology works. Are we there yet? No, but 24 really good hours undercover of a quality coating, I don't have much concern after that. I mean, I would love to see a whole week where the car is, is, is treated perfectly. Uh, but after 24 hours, I really haven't seen much negative of the modern coating. Now, early on, yeah, there was a big issue. Today, there's not an issue. Well, that's, that's definitely real world. Um, appreciate the info. A lot of great stuff that we talked about um, from new, new shop and what the direction you're going and where we are in the industry of helping people understand ha, what we do and is it more important to certify more people or is it more important to get customers that know what the industry does. So, man, thanks for the talk about coatings and when they flash too, man. A lot of great All info. Right. So have a great week, man. Enjoy right, uh, the new shop as you continue to get it pieced together yeah. the best we can. <laughs> Anybody that wants to see how he's doing it, go to follow him at uh, – the new hyper clean Nick's 
uh, on Instagram as Nick continues to put out stories. And yeah. if you want to see him stuck on the side of the road, that's where <laughs> you'll go and find him. So Nick, man, thanks. And have a great week. We'll see you next week, man. I appreciate it guys. See ya. All right. If you got any value out of this episode, listen, please go share it. Uh, please go into groups, let people know that you got value, but leave us a review and shop Spotify or on the, if you're on the podcast with Apple, whichever form that you, you know, absorb the info, you know, give it a like and leave a comment, leave a review. We really would appreciate uh, the community as the community continues to grow more and more people understand where the best information is about the car care industry is at the Pints and Polishing Podcast. Hey, this is Marshall. Make it a great day. Much for listening to that episode. And if you got any value out of it, hey, go share it. Go let people know what you heard on the Pints and Polishing Podcast. And listen, if you want to leave us a review, we would love that, you know, five star, one star. Hey, whatever you think we deserve, if you would leave us a review, greatly appreciate that. And thank you so much for being a part of community.